Yo, yo, what up, what up? Welcome to the WTF Should I Do With My Life podcast. I am your host, Jacob Sokol, and I am honored and thrilled that you are checking in to kick it with us today. We've got a very, very special guest today on the podcast, none other than Mr. Chris Gillibo. And, you know, one of the reasons that Chris is such a special guest on today's podcast is because he's one of the first people who, when I started Sensify in 2010, I was introduced to online and started following his work and starting to download his philosophies into my brain in order to figure out how the hell do I create a life that I love? I'm trying a hundred things, but you know, what actually works and whose advice do I actually want to take? And, you know, being introduced to Chris and shortly finding out that he was on a quest to visit every single country in the world. That's right, 193 countries my dude has visited. And, uh, and you know, that kind of sets the tone for Chris. Um, you may have heard about Chris through some of his books. He wrote The Art of Nonconformity, The $100 Startup, The Happiness of Pursuit, and his latest book, which is coming out today, uh, which is called Born for This, which is about getting paid to do work that you love. Um, Chris also is well known for leading the World Domination Summit in Portland. I think I've attended at this point four times I've been there. And, you know, it was an amazing experience of meeting people who were like me, meaning that they were the black sheep, the outcast, the weirdo who wanted to do something more fulfilling with their life. And it was the real uh, taste of community that I had gotten for the first time through Chris's event. So he's got a place near and dear to my heart. Um, and, you know, Chris's philosophy really boils down to a couple of, a couple of you know, quick points. One is that you don't have to live life the way that other people expect you to. Another point is that you can do things for yourself and help other people at the same time. Chris also believes that if you don't decide for yourself what you want to get out of life, then someone else is going to end up deciding for you. And the last point is that there's usually more than one way to accomplish something. And, you know, all of these philosophical points of his lead us into today's conversation, which is about being, you know, born for this. How do we do work that is incredibly fulfilling? And in the interview, we go into the triangle formula, the kind of three components that you want to get right when figuring out how to do more fulfilling work. Um, of course, we dive deep into his journey with traveling to every country in the world. It's one of the most inspiring stories that I've ever heard in my life. And he's someone who I constantly model when I'm thinking about how can I personally create a quest so damn epic that just hearing it makes people want to know more about it. And so in the interview, we do unpack where that idea came from, how long it took for him to commit to it, what he did about the doubts that he had, and uh, what advice he has for people like you and me who want to have an adventure or a life story that's so damn inspiring that people feel compelled to stay connected and engaged with us, right? And we, we kind of go into the intricate details of do you share it, do you not share it, how do you get started, you know, how do you know if it's the right thing or not? So definitely want to stick around for today's interview. I'm excited. And uh, with no further ado, let's jump on in. Chris, thank you so much for being here today. Jacob, thanks so much for having me, man. 
I'm stoked. So on my left side, I've got the Art of Nonconformity book that I got about five years ago. And on my back, I have the World Domination Year Number One t-shirt. Oh, awesome. My my girlfriend looked at me this morning and she's like, oh, how fitting you put on the WDS t-shirt. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I didn't even realize I did Uh, that. Okay. That's pretty cool. All the way back to year one. I mean, so that's going back almost six years now. Yeah, yeah. Right on, man. Well, I'm excited to to have you here. You've been an influential part of my journey, and I'm excited for what you've got going on. Um, we'll we'll talk more about you know it later, but you've got a book coming out called uh, Born for This, and I'm I'm wondering, you know, if you could take us back into your journey and what your journey's been like in finding the work that you feel like you were born to do. Yeah, I mean that's a great theme, you know, the work you were born to do, and in my case. And also what I saw, like what I learned, you know, through writing the book is most, most successful people, um, they did not follow a very linear path. You know, there was a lot of different stuff that happened along the way. And, and for me, that was certainly the case. You know, I I had no strategic intention of becoming an author or, you know, hosting events like WDS. Uh, you know, when I was 19, 20 or so, you know, I was going to school, I was working a miserable job and my, my hope was to somehow, you know, not do that. You know, my hope was like, let me try to create a life of freedom and independence. And that was always, you know, those, those motivations were always really strong for me. And, you know, I, I kind of began hustling. I kind of started learning about online marketing and, and different things about business. And then, um, I, I went overseas for four years, uh, to West Africa, did that for a while. Uh, I was a volunteer, you know, for a, a charity then I came back, I did a graduate degree and like, I'm trying to put all this stuff together. I'm like, I, I don't really have a career. You know, I had this quest of going to every country in the world and, uh, cause I loved travel and I loved goal setting. So I'm like, let me do something big. And so, you know, then I'm like approaching age 30 and still didn't really have any, any kind of focus to my life, even though I was doing fun stuff. Like I liked everything I was doing, but it kind of lacked, you know, a cohesive center. And then I started writing about it. And I just started writing about the, the journey and the quest and entrepreneurship and sharing whatever I learned along the way. Um, and then, as you know, like, you know, started forming this community just as you've done, you know, with your readers and, and listeners. And that kind of changed everything for me. Um, just realizing that there are these awesome people like out there in the world and different ages, different backgrounds, but they too, you know, were living remarkable lives or they wanted something more out of life. And so, you know, for me, the focus began, became, like how can I, how can I help them and how can I serve them and create some kind of resources or solutions for them? So that's what I've been working on, you know, in one way or another with the different books and events and, and tours and things for the past year, eight years, basically. Yeah. And there's a lot in there I'd love to unpack and we'll, we'll see where it takes us. But, you know, when you're thinking about, okay, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to put it all together and I've got, you know, these different parts of my life and maybe I have this conventional path that I've been on for some time. What, what kind of um, guideposts or signals did you look for or a deeper intuition did you find in order to, to get you out of the status quo or out of your current deal and to figure out, okay, well, here might be an appropriate next step? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, to, to, to put things together cohesively, I think you have to have first have had the experiences. You know? So in my case, you know, I wouldn't have been able to come to that point of discontent where I said, like, oh, I've done like all this stuff, but... I don't know how to put it together if I hadn't done all the stuff, you know? So when I started traveling, I didn't know it was going to turn into like going to every country in the world. When I went overseas to volunteer, I didn't know I'd be there for four years 
same with entrepreneurship, same with everything I've done. So, you know, I would say the, the, the first thing, you know, especially if, if, if someone's listening, they're a bit younger, is, well, you have to have some experiences. And you don't necessarily know, like, what the grand vision for your life is. And you're not sure what your calling or your mission is. And then you just start doing stuff. And you come to these points of, of okay, do I do this or do that? Most, most successful people, again, they can kind of look back and see, well, it could have gone either way. Like, there are two paths. And it's not necessarily that one path is better than the other. And if you start going down one path, you can, you can often kind of, you know, let go of that and go back and try something new. So that's probably the, the first thing is before, before you feel this pressure of like, wow, I've got to create the cohesive thing. Um, I think you have to do some awesome things. You, know, you have to say yes to adventure and whatever experiences, you know, are kind of on your mind or whatever. If you have a crazy idea, that's another thing that's great. Like if you have this idea that's crazy and you can't stop thinking about it, there's probably something to that that you should follow. Hmm. And so saying yes to action, it's like action first, and then we'll piece it together afterwards. What's the other side of that? What are the things that people need to say no to, like mm-hmm. other people's approval or right, certainty? Right. What do you see getting in the way for people, and how can we navigate those challenges? Yeah, well, that's a good way to put it. I think you, you identified some of the things getting, getting in the way, and so that's societal pressure, you know, maybe pressure from your family or from your friends. Um, you know, and if, if that's the case, I think you need other friends. You know, I think it doesn't mean you're abandoning your friends or family, but I think you need to find other people who, who do understand and kind of relate to those, those desires. Um, you know, I mean, as for uncertainty, you know, I, I think this is just a question you have to ask yourself. Like, yes, you could have, you know, relative certainty if you followed that traditional path. Um, but just, just try to think about it, think about it long-term. Like if you have this other idea, or even if you don't have the idea yet, but you have the inklings, like you have this stirring, you want to do something else, like think a little bit into the future and like, you know, five years ago, five years from now or 10 years from now, aren't you going to regret it if you don't at least explore what that thing is? And for me that like, once I started thinking that way, that was a very powerful motivator because I thought, you know, I might go down this path and it might not work out. But that, that outcome is much, much preferable uh, to me than, you know, five years later looking back and saying, you know, I had this idea a while back, but I didn't do anything about it. You know, that just seemed depressing. So it was a very positive motivating force to think about regret. Hmm. And how have you been able to kind of keep your self-worth off of the line or, or, or do you? Because hmm. I think one of the things that, that size people up is that they feel like if they go out and this idea doesn't pan out, then it's a failure and then they're a failure and then they're unworthy of love. And a lot of this is happening unconsciously, but, um, is that something that you've been conscious of in your journey and how have you seen that play out? Yeah. Well, I mean, I should be very honest with you. I I think I actually continue to struggle with those things and I've actually been struggling quite a bit with anxiety recently and, and some sadness and depression And so, I mean, this is kind of like in my family history and something that has been present for me. So there are different, you know, tools and strategies for for how one navigates that. I would say that that the way that I was actually able to maybe not overcome it, you know, permanently, but the way I was able to to keep moving forward and doing the things that matter to me was like, I kind of recognize that there are these things there, whatever they are for you, you know, that self-worth question, the the anxiety. Um, But I didn't let those things kind of determine the course of action that I was going to take. You know, I tried to make a, a rational decision about the course of action. So it was very, you know, it didn't actually make a lot of sense in some ways to like try to go visit every country in the world. But I had this idea. I knew like I had to go down that path and try it. So the way I kind of overcame the fear, the you know, self-worth or whatever 
was, you know, simply kind of regulating it in my mind to like, okay, it's there, but I'm going to do this thing anyway, you know? So it wasn't about like, like conquering it in the sense that it goes away. It was about like making peace with it. Uh, And I mean, that's amazing. And then when the rational is up against the emotional, I mean, Uh did you learn some secret uh, techniques of Zen monks in order to breathe through it? Like how, how, no. how are you able to do that? Cause everyone's no, like, Oh, I mean, that makes rationally, that makes sense. But it's our emotions yeah. that often can control and dictate our behavior. Yeah, no, I don't have any, I don't have any like Zen monk secrets, man. I, I don't, uh, I, I'm not really good at meditation. Like I've been trying for years, you know? Um, I don't know. I guess I, I'm just motivated to do fun stuff. And I would also say, here's another lesson that I learned. Like the, you know, the last book I wrote was called the happiness of pursuit. It was about quests so it was about my quest, but then lots of other people around the world who had undertaken quests. And one thing I saw is that, you know, as you kind of work towards something, as you took steps, even if they were small initial steps, your vision kind of expanded along the way. So very, very few people start with a grand dream. Very few people are like, wow, you know, I'm going to you know, do this huge, huge thing. It always starts with something small. And so the, the going to every country in the world, you know, I, I started traveling and I liked travel. And then I went to more places and I wanted to learn more about the world. So it kind of, it wasn't until I was at country number 70 something that I was like, yeah, I'm going to double up. I'm going to go everywhere. So, and I saw that with everybody else too. So the point is you don't necessarily have a big dream, right? Because that is intimidating, but just start taking steps in a certain area and then your vision does increase because you gain confidence. And would you help people identify that area by what they're most curious about or inspired by? How do we even say, all right, well, this is the area that makes sense to take a step in. Yeah. Curiosity is good. Um, you know, inspiration, inspiration is kind of a tricky word because, you know, sometimes we, sometimes we get inspired, you know, by doing things. It's not that we are like sitting in a room and we're like, Oh, I'm inspired. You know, I want to go to Bali or whatever. Um, maybe it's by kind of stepping out and, and like, okay, well, what are some small risks that I can take? You know, if I've got a couple of extra hours in a week or something, like everybody's busy, but I've got a couple hours, like how can I spend those in a different way? How can I kind of change my routine? Uh, what do I want my life to look like? And again, if you don't have the grand vision, it's okay, but I bet you, know, you can probably identify some changes that you'd like to make. You know, if, if you could, it is kind of helpful to think about this ideal world scenario, you know, like what would my life be like if I could do anything I wanted, you know, if time and money were no object and, and you may not necessarily you know, be able to get to that tomorrow or even any time. But once you have those, you know, inklings again, like you take steps toward them and then it may change as you do it, but that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to circle back a little and just appreciate you for your, your transparency and your relatability and sharing some of the things that we all experience at different times in different ways, but often feel um, like we shouldn't talk about. So I appreciate that. And and then going back into this, this kind of, okay, well, I've got a crazy idea. What's cool about a crazy idea is that your definition of a crazy idea is probably going to be different than mine, which is the next person's. Mm-hmm. So like 10 yep. years ago, the idea of doing an interview with anybody would be a crazy idea to me. <laughs> sure, and, sure. And now it's like, okay, it's time for the interview today. Yep. Um, so, you know, for some reason in my mind, I thought we'd talk about you going to every country in the world towards the end of the interview, but it's oh, come yeah, up yeah. like seven times by now. Yeah, sorry so about like, that. I keep bringing it up. My fault. Well, it's perfect because, I mean, that's, that's you know, when I think of when I think of stories, one of the things that makes uh, your story so compelling is that you have a compelling story. In other words, <laughs> there's this thing. It's like this dude went to every country in the world and it, it makes me and I think others want to enroll into the journey of that story to be a 
to become a part of it, to catch up with it three months from now and see how it's going. And, you know, because of that, I'm in my own life, I'm kind of questioning, you know, how do I create that that kind of story? So this conversation is just oh, as useful for, for me as it is for, for everyone listening. Um, any thoughts on that before I continue with where I was going? Yeah, I guess I would just say it, it helped. It helped me actually. To it wasn't didn't just help me in like a you know platform building sense or something. It actually helped me just kind of internally as well to have that specific goal or that quest. And you know, I mean, I learned a lot about process through that whole thing. And of course, it was ultimately all about the journey and the process. It wasn't about you know checking things off a list or whatever. But I mean, being able to have a clear focus and be able to say, okay, I, I do a lot of different things in my life. Like I don't want to just do one thing. I've never been good at that. Um, but it kind of helps to have a little bit of an anchor and that anchor for me, you know, for a long time was that, was that project, that, that endeavor. Mm. So tell me about the, the amount of time between when you first had that idea to when you committed to that idea. Yeah, great, great. Um, I thought about it. Uh, how long did I think about it? I probably, you know, I first had a goal of going to a hundred countries that was after about 30 or so countries. And then I was like, I'm gonna work toward a hundred and then, as I mentioned, it was like 70 or so when I was like, no, I'm, I'm going to actually go further. I think um, – so there's a whole process you know, that was involved. But probably when I first was like – I remember I was on a ferry from Hong Kong to Macau. And that's when I was like, every country, like, you know, what if I really do this? And I actually journaled you know, at the time and stuff. Like, you know, didn't have an iPhone and stuff back then. I'm just like handwriting all these notes about like how many countries are there? And, like what would this involve? Like how much time would it take and how much money would it cost? And what are the intangible costs? Like what else, you know, like how is this actually feasible? So kind of pondered it, you know, I don't know, maybe six months to a year or so. I mean, before I actually was like, yes, I'm definitely going to do it. Mm. And what was the ping pong in your head, the doubts or the, uh, the, the reasons to go forward with it. What was that conversation in your head like? Yeah, I kind of went back and forth because it was like, it's like, wow, like this is a really big thing. But then it was like, wow, this is a really big thing, like on either side. You know what I mean? Because it was like, it's very attractive in some ways. And in other ways, it was, there was a, a huge amount of uncertainty, you know, as you said, um, like I, I didn't, I mean, I can estimate kind of like what it's going to look like in terms of challenges and, and all that kind of stuff. But you don't really know, like you don't necessarily like there's this whole thing about adventure, like, you know, once you go down the road of adventure, you don't necessarily know where it's going to take you. And, you know, in any good, in any good journey or quest, there's like this unpredictable thing that happens along the way. So that's kind of like the, the both, both the attraction and the danger in it. Yeah, it's funny. Our relationship to uncertainty is completely different depending on if we're in fear or not. So when we're in fear, Ooh. we hate uncertainty. It's like, how do uh. I get rid of it as soon as possible and take any action to eradicate uncertainty immediately? But when we're inspired, uncertainty is amazing. It's like, oh, what can yeah. I create? Or I'm excited. I don't know how this is going to go. It's going to be awesome. Um, let me just ask this crazy question. North Korea, how did that happen? Oh, you know, so so some of the countries that people think are the most difficult are actually not the most difficult. Um, you know, people ask about North Korea, Iraq, you know, Cuba. Well, Cuba is a lot easier now, but at the time it wasn't. Um, stuff like that. In North Korea, you can actually you can actually take a sponsored tour that's sponsored by the North Korean government. Huh. Um, there's like certain times of the year that you can do it. Um, you can either do like a DMZ tour from Seoul, which is pretty short, or you can do a proper tour for three or four days. Um, you know, actually flying in from Beijing, uh, going to Iraq, you know, I went to, to Kurdistan, Erbil, like this autonomous region in the north, which should probably be its own, you know, country, but it, it's not politically. So it's part of Iraq. I went there and it was, it was pretty safe. So the countries I actually had more difficulty with had to do with visas. 
um, you know, just being able to get a visa for Yemen, uh, for Somalia, for a couple of other countries in Africa, those were the bigger challenges. Mm. And when you came up with the, the okay, I'm going to do every country and you know what, I'm, I'm committed to it. Did you keep that to yourself? Did you share it with people? Were there certain people that you shared it with, but not others? I kept it to myself for a while. Yeah, I did. I kind of kept it like just kind of close to my heart and thinking about it and, and pondering. And then, then at a certain point, you know, I began to get some feedback and just kind of bounce it off of people and see, you know, see what they, what they thought about it. And, you know, I'm, I'm not going to ask people, I mean, obviously we all have our own bias, you know, so I'm not going to ask people that I think it's going to be a bad idea. You know, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to ask people like me who are like, yeah, that sounds pretty, pretty crazy. You should do it. You yeah. know? And, and that's kind of the feedback that, that I got for the most part. And, it didn't become a public thing until much later. You know, it, it wasn't a commercial like, business building thing. It was something that I wanted to do for my own motivation. Yeah, well, there's a gem of wisdom in there for everyone who's listening. There's a ton of gems, but one in particular is, you know, what Chris mentioned as far as sharing it with people who are going to encourage and support what's in your heart and your dreams. And I think for people, I don't know, you know, at this point in 2016, it might be different. But when I was first venturing out into my hero's journey in 2010, I think that, you know, our communities um, weren't as much online and it was kind of this, this just, oh, well, these are the people I was born and raised with and my family. And so when I had an idea, my sounding board was the people near me, not necessarily the people who got me or were going to support me. And so if you you do find yourself kind of still in this socially, I don't know, normal, normal uh, world where you're, you're confining to, uh, or just living, right, and you haven't gone out there and found your community or your tribe yet, then it's something to note. You know, Maybe it is, it is a, a strategy to hold that thing close to your heart and share it with people who are going to get it and are going to mm-hmm. support it. Yeah, it's great. Great advice, man. Yeah. Okay, right on, man. Well, love it. Uh, this is awesome. And then for, you know, as we were mentioning, people have their own version of a crazy idea. So maybe it's not going to every country in the world. Maybe it's leaving a job or taking a big trip or whatever that might be. Um, what kind of actionable advice can you give for people? Where do they start with this crazy idea? How do they even approach it? So we used the word confidence earlier, just briefly. And I think anything you can do to increase your confidence, you know, in a time of uncertainty is good. It doesn't mean that you're going to get to certainty, but, uh, you know, if you're, if you're trying to like leave your job, let's say you're trying to leave your job and become self-employed. I see, I hear from a lot of people who, who kind of see this as a dichotomy and they're totally stuck. They're like, well, I want to like leave my job and start something on my own, you know, but basically like, you know, I'm responsible, I'm responsible for my family maybe, or maybe it's just me, but still I have to pay the bills. You know, and so they see this as this decision of like, I continue in the job or like I quit tomorrow and, you know, start building a business. I don't have any kind of business, et cetera. That's very scary. So in that situation, you know, what I always tell people is like, what can you do now? Like while you're still working the job, you know, to start some kind of side hustle, maybe it's not a big business or something, but you're just spending like a few hours a week trying to do, do something, even if it just brings in a relatively small amount of income, that small amount of income can be, you know, very confidence producing. It can actually give you like a, a disproportionate amount of security because you're like, wow, okay, like I'm actually like able to do something else. I'm, I'm actually able to work more than just, you know, my degree qualified me for or more than just in corporate America or whatever the situation is. So that's how you would, you know, do that in a quit your job kind of scenario. If it's I want to travel places, well, you know, where can you travel soon? You know, how can you take one trip? 
rather than like looking at the whole world. How can you do like your first trip overseas? You know, how can you go to a language class, you know, just one day a week or something like there's all these kind of things that you do. And if you do these things, then, you know, as I said, your vision expands, you get the confidence, you're, you feel a lot better about taking the next steps. But if you don't do these small things, then you continue to, you know, you have the tendency to be paralyzed or stuck because you just see everything as this huge insurmountable obstacle um, and you don't realize that it's just a series of small steps. Mm, yeah. You know, what I hear when you talk, Chris, is that there's always this bias towards action, right? It's just try it, right? Because there's a world in our head with our thoughts and that's kind of one world and then there's the world to be lived where you go out and actually do things and engage in life. And when I hear you talk about, you know, getting fig- figuring things out and doing that by the path of action instead of overanalyzing, overthinking, trying to get it perfect and then never actually doing anything in this fear-based world in our head. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I love that. Um, mm-hmm. I, I almost want to transition just a little bit and, uh, and talk about community. And you've done such an amazing job of creating community. I mean, for for... I selfishly want to ask this question, right? Uh-huh. Be- because I'm I'm interested how I can learn from what you've done with my own community. And I mean, right. you know, if there is any secret sauce to, or, or just how you approach it, I mean, how, how have you managed to create such an engaged community who just, I mean, they feel so deeply loyal and and connected and um and appreciate you so much. Yeah, well, that, that's kind of you to say. I don't, the secret sauce is kind of like the Zen monk, you know, Zen monk secrets. You know, I don't know that there's like this tactic, like, oh, here's what you do. You go place this Facebook ad, and yeah. then all of a sudden, you know, right? Um, <laughs> and I, I think, I mean, you, you probably know this as well, because I think your community, your tribe is pretty loyal to you. It's it's ultimately it's ultimately not so much something that, that we do, I think. I mean, it is a reflection of the community more than it is a reflection of the, of the leader. And, um, you know, I guess I'm... I'm, I'm fortunate that there are these like really great people around doing awesome things. And, you know, I try as much as possible to, to uplift them, to be available to them, to, to create experiences, you know, that are meaningful for them. Um, I do think it's helpful. Like, you know, when, when you're building a tribe, like we've, we've talked about how we're all on a journey and I think that's important. But when I see a lot of people starting with, with blogs, podcasts, whatever the medium is, sometimes they, they approach it, you know, as like, okay, like here, I'm trying to figure this out myself. I'm trying, here's, here's like one man's journey of becoming self-employed or, or whatever the story is, you know, one, one woman's quest to do this. I actually think that most, you know, readers, most people in a community want to be challenged and they want to have a message. They want to have an agenda. You know, I think Seth Godin actually told me in my very first year of doing stuff, you know, I wrote to him and asked for advice and he said, I think you need more of an agenda, Chris. And he said, because consensus is overrated. And so I thought about that a little bit. And I was like, yeah, you know, I should actually like be putting something forward. And it's not that everybody's going to agree with whatever I have to say, but the right people will, you know. So, you know, sharing that you're on a journey is great. But actually then going further and sharing the lessons and sharing something prescriptive is maybe even better. Hmm. So when you say more of an agenda... Um, I interviewed Michael Bungay Stainer earlier today. And, oh, great. Uh, yeah, great guy. He's amazing. I saw that he was mentioned in The Art of Nonconformity, uh, which was cool. And and one yeah. of the things I pulled away from, from that interview was we were talking about really putting yourself out there into your brand and into your business. And he said, you know, indifference is is death. When people are mm. indifferent to your brand or to your work, that that's death. So take a stand. Some right. people aren't going to feel you or resonate with you, but people who, who do, you know, it's going to be that much stronger. So is that, is that along the lines of what Seth 
meant and what you interpreted when you're saying have more of an agenda? Yeah, I think I like that. And I think I, think I, like, uh, I like that statement of, of Michael's. And I actually feel like if you trace the, the beginning of my career in this world and, and like what I'm doing now and look at the middle, I think I actually lost a little bit of that in the middle. I think like as I kind of grew and like more people are following and stuff, like I'm super sensitive to criticism like you know most people are. And I think I, I, I don't know where it happened. Like I don't know what the turning point was. But at a certain point, I started kind of playing it safe. And, you know, obviously that was a big mistake. You know, obviously it's like shouldn't play it safe. I mean, I should be putting something forward. So maybe over the past year or so, like I've really been trying to, to get, get back to that. And, you know, with, with the new book, it really is prescriptive. It really is like, hey, here's what you should do, you know. And obviously if somebody disagrees with the advice, that's fine. Yeah. But like I actually there – are, there are so many people out there who are stuck, as you said, and paralyzed. Kind of like where, where do I go from here? I actually wanted to be like, well, here's where you go, you know. And I know it will – hopefully it will help some people. And if other people don't like it, that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm excited to chat a little bit more about the book. I, I do have another question that might tie into that. Um, so I was wondering, you know, since you started the art of nonconformity and you started your your business uh, and, and doing this work that it personally has felt like you've been really born to do, has there been a time in that after you recognized like this is the work I'm born to do? Holy crap! Like I'm living it. This is this is really on purpose for me. But maybe a year, two, three later, where something started to feel like, huh? Maybe maybe there's something else out there. Maybe there's this there's kind of this underlying feeling of there's a next step, but I, I don't really know what that is. And, and how did, how are you able to navigate this thing that was already so near and dear to your heart, but maybe the next evolution or a pivot of that thing? Yeah, yeah, very good. I think as I as I came to the end of the actual travel quest, um, that also coincided with maybe being more successful as an author or whatever this this career was. And so, you know, around that time, it's kind of like, okay, like what's next? You know, what do I do? And you know, I, I kind of fell into a little stage of of being dissatisfied and and not necessarily like knowing what to what to point to, toward and maybe valuing consensus more than I should. So. I don't know. I had to wander in the wilderness a little bit. I think I'm still still a little bit in the wilderness. You know, I, I mentioned I'm still kind of struggling with some stuff. But uh, I mean, I just I just kind of keep you know moving forward and trying things and and hopefully you know letting the the right values guide my way. I figure if I've got the values down, then I might screw up. I might go down the wrong path or something. But eventually, I'll, I'll you know find my way back. Mm. Love it, man. So, you know, born for this. Uh, I love the title because it's it's uh, self-explanatory, right? This is the work that you were born to do. Um, someone who's listening, who's trying to figure out, you know, wh- what is it that I'm here to do? How do I do work that really feels engaging and enlivening? And like, I'm born for this. Uh, how can we help them right now? What, what what advice can we give? Yeah, great. I mean, I'll, I'll give you something that's helpful, whether whether you ever read the book or not. You know, through the whole process I went through, which is pretty extensive, like I do a lot of different research. I talk with hundreds of people, you know, all in preparation to write a book. It's a two and a half year process. So I looked at lots of people who had found their dream job, whether it's a dream job in an organization or a company or, you know, working for themselves, like creating their dream job. And uh, what I saw they had in common, even though they were all doing different kinds of work, um, they all valued, you know, what I call this, this triangle of successful ingredients. And the ingredients are joy, money, and flow. And uh, so everybody who was you know, successful and you know, ultimately satisfied, you know, their work was something that brought joy to them. It brought them happiness. They actually liked to do it most of the time. Um, it was something that was financially viable. 
So it wasn't just a hobby. Like it's okay to have hobbies. That's great. But for your career, you have to make a living. Um, and then flow uh, is all about the unique skill that you have or something that you do that comes naturally or easy to you, but it's hard for other people. It's that thing where you kind of get, get lost, you know, in your work and like hours go by and you're like, Oh, where did that go? You know? So people who are really successful, you know, who have successfully kind of navigated, you know, these, these shifts and changes, um, they actually have all three of these things. And so what you can do as you're trying to make different decisions, like you may not get to the perfect intersection, you know, tomorrow or next week or even next year, but you can always ask yourself, okay, will this choice make me, you know, come closer to having joy money and being able to use flow in my work. And if you're facing two different choices, which are opposing, which choice, you know, gets me closer to that center. And I think if you think about that as a model, you can apply it in lots of different ways um, in big decisions and in small decisions, you know, mostly in your career, but probably also in your life as well. So there's a triangle, joy, money, flow, joy mm-hmm. being uh, happiness and, and yep. uh, positive emotion, money being, okay, mm-hmm. well, I know that I'm going to be able to support myself and there's not the yep. uncertainty about how am I going to feed myself and my family and then flow yep. where I'm fully engaged and I'm, I'm equally challenged and skilled to be able to navigate uh, what I'm doing. So, so, yeah. so someone is in a job right now. They're like, well, that's great. I love the concept. I love the idea of Will this choice lead me to more of those things? And then let's let's see if we could ground it a little bit more with action steps. So mm-hmm. you know how do how do we take that and say okay, well you know I am missing some of the flow from my job. How do I bring more of that either into my my job or find a job with that? How can we how can we help them? Right, right. So I, I think it's important to say that in different times of life, like there's different seasons, you know, and and we do make trade offs and compromises, like all of us do. Um, you know, when I was when I was 16, I was delivering pizza, and that was fine at the time. It wasn't the work I was born to do. You know, it didn't have this intersection of joy, money, flow, or whatever. But whatever, you know, it's fine. Um, so I think what we're talking about here is is an ideal, and we're talking about okay, you know, lots of people in life, you know, they might have a job that they don't really love, but it pays well, it supports their family, so they make the trade off. It's okay, but that's again, that's not the goal. Like we want to work towards something better. If you're if you're interested in self improvement, obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, like you want to make your life better. You know how do you how do you do that? So the first thing is you recognize and understand. You know what are the qualities that do bring joy and flow in particular to your life, right? And you can like I'm not I'm not a super woo woo guy, but I think it's very helpful like in an average day to think through. Okay, here's here's how I'm spending my day got these number of phone calls. I'm doing this amount of work on the computer. I've got this kind of manual labor. I go to these meetings. Let me think in all of these activities, uh, you know, which of these activities gives me energy and which of these activities drains my energy. Mm. And you can kind of evaluate that at the end of the day, right? Like I did this, it was good. I did this, didn't really like it. You know, so from there, it's kind of like you go forward and like, okay, maybe you can't change your job immediately, but what can you do to maybe do more of the activities that are giving you energy? Because those are also probably related to the activities that you're actually really good at. Um, so these are some simple things you can do. And, of course, if you want to make a wholesale change, then you start working on that. But, again, I think you can apply this um, you know, at whatever stage of your career or your job or whatever you're in. Mm. And guys, I mean, that's really valuable. So I'd, I'd invite you to press pause now or commit to when we wrap up this interview, just spending five minutes or 10 minutes taking a deep breath, you know, putting yourself in in front of a piece of paper and saying, well, what are the things that give me energy? What are the things that take away energy? And then after that, how can I do more of the things that give and do less of the things that take? 
And, you know, I really encourage you to go beyond just the consumption of information as some type of entertainment value. And oftentimes in this world of personal growth, we confuse uh, entertainment for change when it's actually just entertainment, uh, information as entertainment. So um, giving you that nudge to, uh, to make it real and figure out how you can implement it in your life. And then, Chris, for the book... Um, we'll, we're, we'll lead people back to it as we wrap up, but I'm curious, you know, if there's one thing that you want people to really take away from the book, mm. the kind of heart and soul of it, what would that be? Meaningful work is worth working toward, you know, life is, life is short and we spend a great deal of our time at work. And I don't think that the solution is, you know, to, to minimize work. The solution is not to like, let's just put work in this little box so that I, I go to it and it's a soul-sucking job, but that's okay because i got to pay the bills. Or, you know, it's something that I don't want to do, so I'm going to do the least amount possible so that I can do something else. Uh, I think meaningful work is worth working toward. And, you know, I feel very fortunate in the work that I do. I love what I do. And you know, I think you, you would probably say the same. Like, it's, it's, you know, it's great that we're able to do this stuff that, that we care about. So for anybody listening, you know, what is that thing for you and how can you get closer to that? Mm, love it. Meaningful work is worth doing. Chris, how do people find out more about the book? And I also um, saw that you had a quiz that uh, they could take to learn more about themselves. Maybe you could point them in that direction. Absolutely. Yeah, they can go to bornforthisbook.com and the quiz is free. I'm doing at least 30 events uh, all over North America. They can sign up for those. Most of those are free as well. And uh, I'm chrisgillibo.com online or on all the social networks. Right on. And then those events are in April. Is that right? Uh, April and May. Yeah. But, you know, we tend to extend, you know, I like to add on more events. So if you're listening to it later, you should check anyway, because there might be something up there. Yeah. I heard that you're only going to 30 cities this time around. <laughs> that was a great quote. Yeah. Yeah. Right before this interview, you said like only 30 cities this time. And I was like, that's good. Only you would say that. <laughs> that's awesome. All right, Chris. Well, thank you so much for being here with us today. I appreciate your work and again, all your influence on my journey and, uh, and everyone else's. So thank you. Oh man. Thank you so much. It's a huge honor. Okay. Right on. Soul Sibling, thank you so much for rocking with us. I appreciate you and I appreciate that you're using your time and your energy toward making yourself a better person and the world a better place. So if you'd like to keep in touch, I'd love it if you subscribe to the podcast and I'm excited to deepen our relationship to get to know each other better over time and to see how I can help you solve meaningful challenges and create your most fulfilled life. We've got a great community over here. And we run retreats all over the world. We've got people who connect with each other and support each other in living the most fulfilled life. And what I'd suggest for your next step is to grab a copy of The 12 Things Happy People Do Differently. It's a scientific-based approach to happiness, and there's a lot of great wisdom out there, but this in particular is researched back from some of the world's leading positive psychologists in the world, and it's super grounded, super practical, how you could do these 12 things that happy people do differently and rock it. The article's been shared over 100,000 times on Facebook, and there's some magic in there. So in order to grab a copy of that, you can go to thankyoujacob.com. Sounds simple, and it is. Thankyoujacob.com, and uh, grab that immediately, and I will keep in touch through personal emails that I send out a couple times a month and all that goodness. So for now, sending you lots of love. Keep it real. Follow your heart, but bring your head. Peace.